you can still grow your business, but you don't have to be the main driver in that business. Once you get it to where it's automating and growing, you can now start other things that aren't reliant on just money. It can be an interest base or a passion. You can pick up hobbies. You can spend more time with your family. And so that's, I think, the essence of why we even start businesses. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. This is your host, Jason Mark Campbell. Super excited to bring a mentor and a dear friend, someone that's been along the journey with me at times where I felt any kind of anxiety, uncertainty, or hesitation on what is the right way forward. He would be a resource that was at my fingertips that I could ask questions, particularly in the field of marketing insights, productivity, small business staffing, and just really helping you make the right decisions in the early critical stages where it seems like failure finds you at every corner in the startup journey. Having someone like Hansen by my side has been a game changer, and it's such a pleasure to have a chance to speak with him, bring him on the show to share some of the wisdom that has guided me into building my business that have helped me make more revenue, make more sales, get happier in the process of running my business with so much less stress, so much more fun, and working with some incredible people in the process as well. The man himself is the founder of Freedom to Ascend and Link Juice Agency, has worked in the space of SEO, has taught on entrepreneurship, systems for growth, wealth, and freedom. The man is an online entrepreneur, has been traveling the world, and has done some really interesting journey along the way. I mean, even in his mid-30s, you know, made some big bets, had some business failures, but then rebirthed from that, and now at 42, running a 30,000 a month SEO agency and so many more. And as of right now, as we are recording this, he is on the verge of launching an AI-powered SEO tool that is going to revolutionize the way people create content and that can really have success in their marketing online. It's such a pleasure to have him here. Hanson, welcome. Thank you so much, Jason. Incredible intro. Happy to be here. Thank you for having me on this podcast. Well, it's going to be one Hell of a ride. So as I was saying, like we go way back, we had a chance to meet in Bali and you've been somewhat of a mentor to me. And, you know, I think the best way that I want to share with the audience, some of the wisdom you have is talking to you about some of the mistakes I faced in business, or at least these crossroad moments where I made mistakes that you were able to fix for me quite well. And, you know, one of the first things I remember you helping me with is as I got started, you know, a lot of what I was trying to do is hire a lot of people to help me take care of things that I didn't want to do. And I found myself with a lot of expenses and a lot of people on my payroll without a very clear job description, but I was kind of hiring friends and trying to figure it out along the way. And I wanted you to share a bit of what you've shared with me when I came to you with this situation. Well, the only reason I had something to say about it because I experienced the same exact thing. Like as a new entrepreneur, I hired my friends. I tried to partner with my friends. I hired the first person I found and was like, hey, help me, but like had no clear vision on what I wanted to do. And so one of the main things that I learned and I wanted to share with you when you were first getting started is like, it's really hard to hire friends because you mix that relationship hat, 
it's in between being like a boss and a friend. And when you're mixing those two hats, it does not allow you. I mean, if you're like me and you really care about your friends, you want to help them out. It's the wrong place to come from when you're trying to grow your business. When you're trying to grow your business, you really need to focus on the bottom line. And that's it. Especially when you're brand new. This was the hardest lesson for me to learn. I lost a lot of money because I just hired my friends and wanted to support them when I could barely pay the bills myself. And so that was one of the biggest things was like, all right, number one, try not to hire friends. Hire people for the things that actually move the needle in your business. And if you don't know what that is, then you need to learn how to lay out all your tasks and prioritize them. I actually created a lead magnet for this. It's like a task prioritizing template where you just lay it in. And I break down prioritizing tasks in three areas, how long it takes you, how much you enjoy it, and the impact on your business. And from those factors, you can look at the list and it'll automatically tell you, okay, this is the one that will move the needle the most, takes you the most time, the one that you hate. Those are the things that I try to find people for as quickly as possible because those are going to make the biggest advances in your business from day one. One of the limiting beliefs I had when we first had these kinds of conversation is there's a lot of those tasks, which are the tasks that I hated. And I was like, oh my God, how am I going to hire for someone to do this task? I mean, look how much I hate this task. Nobody's going to want to do this kind of task. And you kind of open up my mind to the differences in people that you can hire. Yeah, that's one thing I realized is that the best thing about everyone, you, me, the people who are watching, is that everyone's very unique with completely different interests and strengths and weaknesses. And so just knowing yourself, that's all you need to do is know, I hate these things, but there's someone who's out there who's the complete opposite, who loves these things, right? I'll use my wife as an example. She is so creative. She loves to like look at the details and decorate our house. And I hate that. But someone out there loves doing the things that you hate, right? So all you need to do is change your mindset and being like, all right, whenever I come into a hurdle in my business, I get excited because I go, all right, I know I hate this. Who can I find that loves this? Because I know if I find that one person, they're going to help me grow my business doing something that they love, which is an empowering and very abundance type of thinking, right? That's something I took away from when you find people, you want to find people with strengths that really complement your weaknesses. And your job, ultimately, if you want to scale to onward and upwards, is to fire yourself from every position. Eventually, you just need to be like the number one recruiter about your business and fire yourself from every position. That's what I've been doing for the last five years in all my businesses. So what's the essence of the highest value that is left when you continuously go through this process of firing yourself from every job and wanting to rise up as a business owner? What do you find are some of the key things that you become and you cannot let go as you're trying to scale the business? Well, what will happen is when you free up your time from doing the day-to-day, for every business, there's two areas. So there's client acquisition and then fulfillment, right? I found that when I remove myself from there, it's just creating efficiencies for your team. So I'm almost like a support for my team. But then when it's fully functional and it both sides are growing, like my SU agency is virtually, I don't spend more than an hour a week in that agency other than, you know, reporting back or looking at numbers. So that frees up all this creativity in my mind. So last year when I experienced that, I was like, oh man, I don't know what to do. So I invested all that time into myself. Brazilian jiu-jitsu, meditation, breath work, all that in Bali. And after three, four, five months of that, I was like, 
all these fresh new ideas and inspiration came back and I'm like, I want to start this. So what it does is you can still grow your business, but you don't have to be the main driver in that business. Once you get it to where it's automating and growing, you can now start other things that aren't reliant on just money. It can be an interest base or a passion. You can pick up hobbies. You can spend more time with your family. And so that's, I think, the essence of why we even start businesses is to freeing up your time to do the things that you really love and you want. So right now, my complete calendar is based on trying to maximize as much time as I can spending the time doing the things I love. Hmm. Well, you know, I hear you say this and it sounds like that's probably the goal for so many of the people listening to this podcast right now going like, yep, that sounds good. Sign me up. That's where I want to go. But it's not necessarily where everybody is right now. And I feel like there's a kind of a graduation process before we get to that promised land. And so I'd love to know some of the foundational skills that you were using and working on maybe at the earlier stages that got you to a space where you can now be where you are now. The foundational skill I learned that really helped me understand who I need to hire was just learning skills quickly. Understanding, okay, I'm really good at marketing and sales. I hate doing the fulfillment. So that was one area where I was like, okay, I need to find someone for that. And it was a lot of trial and error, but I'll try and dump the wisdom that I've learned in the last couple of years on hiring people. A lot of people, when they hire, they usually, let's say you, you label out your task and you prioritize that. A lot of people, when you're like, okay, I want to hire this one position, you'll interview two or three people and then you're like, all right, this sucks. <laughs> you know, like finding people to interview, it's just not very fun. It feels like you're not moving your business. So they tend to hire after only interviewing three, four, maybe five people. What I found is I was like, all right, let's create a system to where I can just get a ton of applications for every role. Because if you look at Harvard, Harvard gets like 60,000 applications a year, right? And they only let in like two or 3,000 people. So they get to pick from the cream of the crop. If we take that concept and we add it to your business, how do you get a ton of people to apply for your position so you're not choosing from the three or four that you interviewed that randomly you ran into, but it's the hundreds of people that have applied. And so I created this system to allow me to do that at scale because I realized that knowing the position that I want to hire for, I don't have to be the best at it, but I need to understand the core building blocks of that. I can now write a job description, create them to basically fill an application into my hiring machine, and then I can filter them out by hundreds and hundreds of applications. And so in there, what I do is I have them do a trial task, right? I've already gotten several hundreds for writers in my business, right? And so what I do is I have them write a sample article because this is basically what they're going to be doing on a day-to-day that -day. will move my business. The article doesn't have to be very long. It needs to be a small sample. It shouldn't take more than 30 minutes or an hour, and I'll pay them for it. Some tasks are unpaid if it's really quick, but I want them to demonstrate, number one, that they can actually do the job that I've broken down that will give me a return. And the return is based on a rule of thumb I have, which is a 5x rule of thumb. So everyone you hire into your business needs to give you at least 5x return, not just revenue. So let's say you hire someone for $1,000. They can be a good hire in several ways. They can at least bring in 5000 in revenue for every month they're worth you. They can reduce your expenses by $5,000 a month, or they can save you $5,000 worth of your time. So that's what I use every time I look at a hire. So recap. You want to prioritize all the things in your business that are based on the amount of time it takes you, if you love it, and if it impacts your business. Then the ones that will move the business the most, that you hate doing, that takes the most time, 
find out those people, that position you want to try and hire for as quickly as possible. Once you use this, I can share the hiring machine with you later, but it goes into in-depth of how you build it. Once you get all these applications, you want to give them a trial task based on that role that is the thing that you're going to be doing day in, day out to move your business. If it's sales calls or if it's creating videos or whatever it is, a small 30 minute to hour task you could potentially pay for. It doesn't have to be. It could be free. And of those, you hire the one that has the best probability of making it work. And usually... I'd say the probability is significantly higher with those people that I bring on that they make an impact day one. Hmm. You know what I love when I hear you speak about this process is as a sales guy, I can see that what you've designed is a sales process for your hiring process. And I think for a lot of times for some people that have struggles getting clients is because they are not in front of enough clients. They don't have enough clients that are applying to potentially be hired by you. And I think that's a really interesting mindset to have for anybody who's listening in saying like, I'm not getting like good clients or the clients I have don't even want to pay me what I'm worth. And I think it's the same type of mentality that you need to have when it comes to deriving a sales system that brings you the types of people that you want to have as clients as well. And one of the key things I see in your own hiring process is you're very clear on understanding the task that needs to be done and the value that you know needs to be delivered. So it's very clear for someone to understand what your offer is. So you're actually creating offers, but it's for hiring people. I love looking at that from a different perspective because obviously I'm always looking at a sales lens here and hiring is one of those things that get often neglected. And the fact that you have that skill set that allowed you to really build that system. And for those of you who are on the Facebook community, we're going to have a couple extra shares. And if you're just listening to the podcast and you haven't joined our Facebook community, we always live stream our interviews. We have some bonus resources and some extra interaction. So you'll definitely want to be there in the community. We'll put a link in the show notes for you guys to join. And so I absolutely love that from you. And this whole mindset you have around taskifying, job description, this is something I really admire from you. And like, how did you nurture that? Was that something you've always had? Or like, how do you start breaking down tasks and job descriptions? <laughs> I mean, did you come out of the womb with that, this knowledge. <laughs> well, I came out of the womb with just laziness. I think it really was, you know, like you, you put me to do a task and I start doing it. And after a while, I was like, I don't want to do this. So ever since I was young, I was like, how can I get other people to do this? What's really, really cool when you're starting out and you're scrappy and you're young, which I love because I miss it. It's like that resourcefulness that you learn is by far the most infinitely wisdom nut, like whatever you want to call it. That strength is something that all successful entrepreneurs have. It's just like, how do I make this $1 into 10 or 20? And so one of the biggest examples I have is barter arbitrage, is service, is basically whatever you're doing, like we talked about, there's other people out there that can do things that you really hate. Same thing, you can do whatever you're doing that you love, other people hate. You can trade that for their skills. And so when I was first beginning, I was trading my photography skills for website and development. So I was like, hey, I'll come and take profile photos of you, insert whatever you want, or make ads and videos for you in exchange, help me build my website or help me do my copywriting. And as you build more services and provide more value, your packages become more and you have case studies, you can use that and go out and recruit people to your team at cost of your services. So let's say I'm charging $1,000 for my service, but it costs me 500 you effectively can get someone else's services for 50% discount. So I'm using that as much as possible in my 
SEO agency is that like every time that I go out and try to recruit an agency to work with me, the first thing I say, like what you say, I do the sales pitch. I'm like, hey, I saw your website's this, this, this. Let me offer your SEO package in exchange. And so many people take me up with that deal. So if you're resourceful, you learn it from the very beginning as you progress and grow your business, the amount of resources that you grow now you can be even more resourceful than that and, and make that $1 effectively be 10. Hmm. Yeah. I love this lazy mindset methodology as well, because I can relate to that as well. And it's actually something that pushes me to hire. And I would say I often over hire, but it allows me to kind of figure things instead of paying for time, I pay money for things to be discovered faster, which sometimes might not be the most efficient, but it allows me to move quickly and something that I do enjoy. I was going to ask you about some of the core habits as well, because you're operating your business very, very lean. Like I would say most people are trying to get to a point where they can work particularly on what they love and just be super effective. I just want to know, like, what are some of the key habits that we should be doing, maybe even early in the business that makes us better at getting to the point where you are now? You got to track all your numbers. That's the hardest thing that is, I think, when you're first beginning, because you just want sales. But you need to check your numbers. You need to check everything. And the best way to do that, in my opinion, is using software because it's grueling manually and putting stuff into spreadsheets. So I try to keep track of all my traffic. So we talked about most businesses. I think this realm is focusing on two areas, client acquisition and the fulfillment, right? Trying to get the client, selling them all that, reaching out and then fulfilling. So let's focus on the client acquisition part because I think that's going to move the needle for most people. You want to focus on several KPIs is what we call them, but just basically numbers. So how many people are you reaching out on DM? How many people are you emailing? How many people are you setting up calls with each week? And of those, how many are you closing? 99% of the time, the first segment of how many out, outward cold emails or DMs is way too low. Like if you're at zero, start with five. If you're at five, go to 10. If you're at 10, go to 15. Like that's the habit to build. It's just reaching out to your ideal client. Go to the pages of people who are significantly bigger than you in your same niche and look at their comment section. Everyone that's commenting there is like, oh, this is a great tip or how do you do this? Those are potential interested people that you can engage with. Bring them to your DM, start a conversation, set up a call, and if they're a good fit, get them as a client. That's free. That would take an hour of your time a day. An hour, you could send 50 emails. I don't know. But even just 10 a day consistently over two months, you'll get better at closing deals. You'll get more deal flow, and you can max out your clients in a couple months. Well, I highly approve of your recommendation. It's something that I reinforce with my students all the time. And it's one of the ones that people struggle the most with. It's like, ah, uh, you try to find anything else to do except what would be the money-making activity. We had a guest on the show called it MMA. I was like, oh, we're going for a fight? He's like, no, you're focused on money-making activities. Uh, so I really, really like that. And what you're speaking about here is just initiating conversation. It brings me back again to what you shared around like hiring people as if you're just picking one of out of three, you're going to get a mediocre result. And if you're dealing, you know, you have one lead that's interested and then you become needy as a salesperson because you're like, oh my God, 
if I don't close one of these three conversations, I'll be dry for the next month. And that just makes you a needy salesperson. You can't come from a place of love when you're so needy. And building the habit of just going out, starting conversations regularly, these are the leading indicators that bring the kinds of results we're looking for. So I'm very glad that you brought that up. Hanson, I know I could talk for quite a while with you. We've went on a few journeys. I mean, you talked about some of your skills in photography. Do you find that it's important to have a skill, you know, outside of the marketing space? Or do you find like if you were starting from scratch, we should go straight to marketing as the skill to learn? A lot of people ask me this question on which skill they should learn. I think the skill would be based completely on what you like. Like if I were to do it all over again, I would find a skill where I enjoyed the most that I could work based on my values. So my value is freedom. My number one value is I don't want to have to be somewhere from this time to this time. I want to live wherever I want. Freedom. So I would pick a skill that is in that bucket and of those skills, the one that I am most interested in that I'm like, oh, that one seems cool, right? Photography was great, but it did not align with my value of freedom. So if I wanted to make money as a photographer, I had to be at the site, right? I had to actually show up and it was dictated by my clients. So really quickly, I was like, okay, this is not the profession for me. And that's when I went back to the drawing board. I was like, all right, what are the many different skills I can create? And of those, what is the one thing that aligns with my value of freedom? And so that's how I started skill stacking all the skills that met my value of freedom and realized that like, all right, Eventually, after a while, you skill stack enough and you become a very indispensable person for many people. And a lot of people want to work with you, whether as a partner or become your client. Yeah, I find that interesting because, you know, for a lot of us that might struggle with sales, we wish somebody would just come along and want to sell on our behalf. Right. But we have to get to a point where we create so much value that if a salesperson would see you and they'd be like, oh, my God, I'd want to represent you so much because I see how much value you bring. And then you would naturally find some sort of deal maker that would be ready to close or, you know, just getting agency, right? Yeah, you need to be at a very elementary level of basic sales because even if you're not doing the sales, you need to be confident enough to sell yourself, right? And so learning sales is not just for your clients. It's learning to believe in yourself and to be like, these are my strengths and I'm okay with my weaknesses, but this is what I'm going to bring to the table, that's all you basically need to learn in terms of sales. Everything else, you can, like you said, find someone like you or someone in your community who loves sales and partner with them or hire them or whatever, work with them. I like that. Hanson, this is fantastic now. And what I love to close these podcasts with, Hanson, every time, since you are on the Selling with Love podcast, I do need to ask you, what does selling with love mean to you? Oof. Selling with love means coming from a place that like I said, aligns with your values and you're not doing it because of the money. You're doing it because it aligns with the mission inside of you. So that's what it means to me. Fantastic. Hanson Cheng, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing some of your wisdom. As I've mentioned, Hanson has been a guardian angel to me, kind of helping me really make sure that I am not going off the rails whenever I'm going out and building my business. I've made my share of mistakes, but luckily I didn't need to get lost for too long because whenever I did, I would find Hanson giving me some direction. For those of you who have an interest in SEO, you're going to have to check out his tool that he's building. It's going to be around AI-powered SEO. He's definitely someone you're going to want to watch on Instagram. He 
he's sharing tons of contents around business building, marketing, SEO, scaling, and so much more. So those links will be made available in the show notes. And of course, if you come join us in the Facebook community, we got some extra tools that are going to be shared from Hanson and continuing the conversation there. Hanson, once again, thank you so much for your time coming on the show. And for everybody else listening, keep selling with love. Thanks for having me, Jason. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.